0: Audiobook release. Podcast. Authors. authors
1: narrators. reviews Industry. News. Reviews. Sponsored by eaudioproductions.com. Welcome to the Audiobook Release Podcast. A show for audiobook lovers. Stay tuned as we share the latest news from the audiobook industry. We interview established and upcoming authors. We talk with popular narrators and review a wide range of audiobooks. Brought to you by eAudioproductions.com.
2: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Audiobook Release Podcast.
3: Our guest today is Doug Sebelton, author of the Hollywood Time Travel series, It's a Wonderful Time.
2: Doug's been working in the entertainment business since 1987 as a professional musician and a film producer. His latest book, co-authored with Reiner Denka, has just been released as an audiobook. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for
0: joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor and a pleasure.
3: So, Doug, before we get to your interview, we're going to listen to a short sample of the audiobook version of the Hollywood Time Travel series, It's a Wonderful Time.
1: I gotta go. I'm coming with you. Evan took her in his arms and held her close. You can't come where I'm going, he said quietly. Dorothy broke away and stared at him with wide eyes. What do you mean I can't come? That's crazy. Of course I can. I want to be with you, Evan West. I love you. No one else. I'll never love anyone but you. Hey, I see you got one too. Evan pointed at the man's car. The guy looked over his shoulder and shrugged. Antiques are the best, Evan croaked trying to cover up the fact that he was shaken to his core. Yeah, sure, I suppose. But it ain't that old, friend. And mine's a Chevy. You say, you need any help or anything? The guy actually meant it. And Evan tried to figure out why a man with a tan 1935 Chevy sedan would not think it that old. The man looked to Evan's car. You're lucky. You could have been killed. Why are you driving so fast in the rain? Evan shrugged. The man craned his neck to look over at Evan's car again, then jerked his thumb toward a small stairway across the street that led down. You go through that tunnel under the red car tracks. You come up over there on Coanga West. There's a filling station not far away. They got a tow truck. Want me to drive you over there? No skin off my nose. Happy to help. Evan couldn't get over how earnest this guy was. He genuinely cared, and that wasn't behavior Evan was accustomed to. He glanced to his car. It's okay. I got a phone. Evan looked around the interior, but it wasn't there. No iPhone on the passenger seat. No film canisters on the floor. That's not right. Where are they? You do? The man seemed genuinely perplexed over the idea. You sure you're okay? Evan looked toward where the Hollywood freeway was supposed to be and saw a trolley rumble by. The freeway was there, but it was more of a wide road with three lanes on each side. Everything looked, sounded, and smelled real enough. Cars motored by. The streetcar on Highland lumbered by. Every detail, perfect and real. Evan wondered what would happen. Wow, that
2: sounds great, (laughs) Doug. That is fantastic. How did you become a writer?
0: Well, I call myself kind of a quasi-writer because I actually am a songwriter. That's pretty easy for me, but uh, writing books is something new. I did, uh, as you mentioned, been in the, the entertainment business for over 30 years you learn a lot. I've read a lot of scripts through the years because I was also a music supervisor and a well, music publisher, getting songs in film and TV and a music supervisor. So during 20 years, I was getting a lot of scripts sent to the company I worked with and myself. Uh, you know, They're looking for music for certain scenes. So I read a lot of scripts through the years a lot of good ones from the studios and some not so good, but just uh, been around that world a lot, but never really considered myself a writer. But when I did get the idea for what became uh, It's a Wonderful Time book, I had uh, written it down as an outline and then made it into a a movie script back in 2005. And I had a co-writer at that time. So I've written one movie script and then decided to make that into the novel. And i had Reinhard, come on with me after the first draft and end up becoming my uh you know writing partner and, and we're going to continue working together but so uh, yeah i am a writer but it's not my main wheelhouse i'm more of a my the hat that i best i think fit is as a producer kind of putting all the all the elements together but in this case you know it was my original idea so i i was i was a writer on it yeah and i did co-write the book
3: well, that's excellent. But let's go back. I saw on the website that you were 19 years old. You leave Montana to to go to Hollywood. What inspired you at 19 to go to Hollywood?
0: When I was 18 years old, you know, everybody graduates, usually in high school at 18. Me and five of my buddies, we'd already ha- always had a plan that we were going to take a road trip in this old 1956 school bus that my dad bought back oh. in the day. And we, my dad made it into like a camper. So we were going to take that thing on a road trip from uh, Montana to Seattle, Seattle to L.A., L.A. to Vegas and back to uh, Montana. For, like, sounds like wow. fun. Yes. <laughs> this was back in my partying days when I was a teenager, but we ended up blowing up the engine uh, one night oh, we're all no. partying <laughs> in it. And so we never got to take the bus, but. Out of the five guys, um, just it was just me and my friend Donnie ended up taking the trip. So my first chance to see LA was on that trip. And he had an aunt and uncle who lived out in Port Waimea, which is in, by Oxnard. And I spent a week in LA, and I so I liked the weather. And when I got back, all my friends were going to college, and I didn't really want to go to regular college. And I'd been a musician since I was sixteen, playing guitar. And my guitar teacher said, "You know, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm going to just uh, stay and be a bartender at my sister's restaurant." Try to figure out what I want to do, uh, you know, musically. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I think you should go to college." He said, "I think you're good enough to go to college." And I said, "Well, where do you think I should go?" And he said, "Well, I think there's two places: one uh, Berkeley, uh, you know, School of Music out in Boston, or uh, there's one in Hollywood called Musicians Institute." And so, because of that trip, I thought, "Well, I'm from Montana. I I know what cold winters are like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll go out to Hollywood and, and enjoy <laughs> the palm trees and the nice." weather. And I've always loved Hollywood, you know, the movies and stuff. So that's what brought me out here uh, back. And that was in 84, August of 84 is when I started school. It was a one-year school, learned a lot. And then after I graduated, I decided to stay out here in LA, End up getting a job at the Beverly Hills Hotel, parking cars. From that, I got into the music business and, you know, and the rest is kind of history, you know? (laughs) Wow. so, So the music business
2: got you into writing?
0: Well, as I said, I got this job at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which is a very famous hotel. They call it the Pink Palace. It was, I think, built in the 1910s or something. And I got a job there on the first day. A guy hired me on the spot. And Jeez. my first day on the job, <clears throat> actually, my first five minutes on the job when he was just training me, uh, he had to go up top. And and I, I was looking around this little office. And I turned around, and Tom Selleck is standing there oh. <laughs> uh, with his wife, then wife, and still the same wife he has today. And... Um, and he said, I said, oh, hi. He said, I need the key," And, and I I knew who he was because I've always been up on pop culture and watching TV and stuff. So, you know, this is 85. So he was in Magnum PI. It was the biggest show at the time. Wow. <laughs> He's huge. And, yeah. and I knew exactly who he was. Yeah. And I just said, oh, hi, can I help you? Because he yeah, I need the keys for my car. And um, I said, wow. You know, I just, I said, this is my first day. I said, this is actually my first five minutes. I said, let me go get my boss. And I ran up to the top where all the, the other valets are. And I said, John. Tom Selleck's down there. He needs his car. You know, I don't know what to do. And he goes, Oh, he started laughing. He goes, I'll take care of it. You, you know, introduce yourself to the guys up here. So I did that. And then I, a few minutes later, I'm walking down the driveway. And, and, and as I'm walking down, Tom Selleck is in his Porsche driving up. And as he drove past me, he gave me a thumbs up, you know, like, thanks for the extra effort, little guy. <laughs> and so that was my first day. And um, I worked there three years, but I think in two years while I was there in my first two years, I met a lady named Donna, uh, Donna Ross at the time was her name, uh, her maiden name. And she uh, basically saw that I was reading a book on the music business and I had a guitar, and uh, acoustic guitar in the corner. And she asked if I was a songwriter or a musician. I said, yeah, both. And And uh, at the time I had written a country song. I'd been writing songs, you know, since I was 16 and I, had sent a country song uh, that I wrote out to Nashville to a friend who worked at a record label and Dolly Parton was going to put it on her record. Wow. And so I um, I wanted to kind of bone up on uh, the music publishing aspect, you know, to not make a bad decision with the copyright of my song and all that stuff. So I was reading that book and Donna saw the book and she said, oh, are you reading that book also? And I said, yeah. And she said, what are you reading about? And I was specific. And it's all it was all about the music business, you know, record deals, management, all that stuff. But I was specifically reading the chapter on music publishing. And I said, "Oh, I'm reading about music publishing." And she goes, "Oh, I own a music publishing company." Oh, and and I said, "Really?" She goes, "Yeah, you know, I'm actually looking for an intern right now. Would you be interested?" I said, "Sure." She gave me her name and number. I called her. I went in and, and interviewed, and I got hired a couple of days later. Uh, it was a non non-paying internship, but I worked with her uh, for maybe about a year year and a half for free, and which was fine because I was making good money parking cars. But after that she hired me and I worked with her for nine and a half years. And, wow, uh, that's, how, that's how I got in the music business. And she managed a little artist at the time. She she was getting um, songs on records back then. You know, a lot of artists don't write their own music, so they need uh, outside music from songwriters mm-hmm. and producers. So she was pitching songs to the record labels. You know, Warner Brothers and RCA. But she also had a management division, and she managed. As I was making a joke, she managed a little movie star by the name of Eddie Murphy at the time oh,
3: <laughs> and wow. uh, she didn't
0: manage Eddie for his whole career, but just for the music stuff he was doing, you know, soundtracks yeah. and things. So oh, yeah. man, and she also managed Irene kara oh. And she was really good friends with Ray Parker Jr., the guy that did Ghostbusters. So Jeez. I was, you know, this kid from a small town in Montana around these big successful people. And that's how I kind of learned the business working with Donna. And, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a godsend. And I was blessed to have met her, have met her, it was a big, Big trajectory in my life to be there, you know.
3: That is just incredible. Because if you were somewhere else that day, when it wasn't, if you were not scheduled that day, or maybe you left to get the keys, you wouldn't have met her. That's yeah, just a exactly. great well, story.
0: It's it's yeah. Well, I'm a Christian, so I I feel that you know I believe things are done in God's timing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God was just uh, kind of directing my paths t- to that hotel, and he had, and I I just met all the right people. In my life, I mean, I've met a few bad apples or bad seeds. You know, everybody has, but 99 ninety, ninety nine percent of the people I've met in my life have been really good people. So it's been it was yeah. So that was an important job in my life as a valet, which led me on to other things. You know, yeah, that's really Uh, neat. That's a great thing
2: to be able to say that ninety nine percent of the people in your life have been good people. So that's fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. It is.
2: So, Doug, was this the same time of your life when you um, had your first documentary film and your first book that you published?
0: Well, let's see. I I worked with Donna from 87 till 96, about nine and a half years. And um, then I went to another publishing company for about six months and then went to a record label for about a year and a half. And then I just decided to, uh, when I was 33, I decided to take the leap and become an entrepreneur. And I started my own company Called Kid Gloves Music and had a, a ten-year, about a decade of really great success of getting songs placed in film and TV. Uh, around 2006, during that time, I started getting the itch to producing movies uh, around, around 2005, actually, and I started. Uh, yeah, I found the mother Normandy story uh, when I was over in Normandy because I go to Normandy uh, every year for the D-Day anniversary, which is every June 6th, and I started doing that in '98, wow, and uh, I found this nice. story about this incredible woman named Simone Renault. Uh, She lived in this little French town. It was the first town liberated by the Americans on the D-Day morning. And the 82nd Airborne Paratroopers and the 101st Airborne Paratroopers You know, landed all over Normandy, but this town was really special because it's very famous because there was a movie that was done in 1961 called "The Longest Day," that Daryl Zanuck produced with 20th Century Fox, and there's a very famous scene where the actor Red Buttons was an 82nd Airborne Paratrooper, jumps out of the plane, and he floats down, and his parachute gets caught on the church steeple inside the town, this thousand-year-old church, and he's hanging there, helpless as the Germans are shooting these guys out of the out mm. of the sky and uh, they end up taking him prisoner and uh, her husband was the mayor of the town during night June 6 1944 but basically she took care of all the all these uh three temporary cemeteries in the town when I found out I met her son and I found out about the story. I said, well, I got to make this into a movie. So that was my first step into, yeah, making documentaries. And and through that, when I, it took me five years to make it, but when I finished the film, I thought I want to do a coffee table book also as a companion to the movie. And that's a book that I published, but I didn't write it. I had a guy named Jeff Stouffer write it because he uh, wrote the screenplay for me for the, for the movie. And he did such a good job on that, I hired him to write the book. And he did an excellent job on that. And so that was my first, yeah, my first venture into book publishing and, and working with book writers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Another great story, Doug. You're just full of great stories. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it it's, seems...
0: <laughs> it's crazy. The people that I've met, <laughs> it's been an interesting life so far.
2: So why don't we talk about what motivated you to write the Hollywood time travel series, It's a Wonderful Time.
0: Sure. Well, so I got the idea. Well, I'll tell you, (laughs) to go along with that, so I'll make it really, when I was working at the Beverly Hills Hotel, I did, uh, after being there about a year, I think, uh, there was a guy named David Tebbett who lived in the hotel, and he was a big executive at NBC, and I ended up driving him for about uh, nine months. And Oh, Wow. Yeah, and, I, and he, at the time, he ran Johnny Carson Productions and he was the executive producer of The Carson Show. He was the executive producer of The David Letterman Show. This is back in <laughs> 80, you know, like 85, 86. And uh, he's the guy that brought Johnny Carson to Hollywood to, to replace Jack Parr in 1962. So I was driving this guy five days a week from the Beverly Hills Hotel over to Toluca Lake. And uh, so. Uh, on the the various times I used to see, see these railings above the road that I used to drive up Coanga and, and I didn't know what they were. So I pulled over and I walked over and I found there were steps going down in the ground. And I walked to the bottom of the steps and then I realized it was just an underground uh, pedestrian walkway that, you know, you walk underneath it and you come on the up on the other side of the freeway, the 101 freeway. So that's the genesis of, of the your question is how did this wonderful time come about? <laughs> so I did that. That was in 85. And then you fast forward, I think uh, 90, 1993, like eight years later, I'm now in the music business, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of stuff at the movie studios Warner Brothers and Universal which is out in the valley and I was coming back from one of those meetings driving on the 101 freeway and I remember I used to drive by all I, those railings that are not there anymore they 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 buried it and it's not even there but back in in the 90s it was still there and I remember always seeing those railings going ah I know what that is cuz you got to remember in in Montana and we have freeways and stuff we had highways but I was from a town that was about 3500 people but so we didn't really have pedestrian walkways under freeways so uh, that was kind of new to me so I just remember every time I drove down the free by the freeway in that area I would see those those railings like, oh, that's that pedestrian walkway And one night on my way back to Hollywood, I thought just out of the blue my imagination got the best of me. I thought wouldn't it be cool if somebody's leaving Hollywood getting chased on a rainy night stormy, uh, thunder, and he gets in a car wreck, smacks into a telephone pole, and he's got something that somebody wants, and he runs down those, those stairs, and he's running underneath the freeway, and some lightning comes down and hits those railings, and he goes through a time warp right in the middle, and when he comes up on the other side, he's in the same exact area, but on the other side, and it's 1940s Hollywood. And and that was that was the idea. And so I and as soon as yeah, as soon as I thought, I said, "Wow, that's a pretty cool story." I (laughs) got to flesh that that out a little. Yeah, right. So I got back to my office and I just grabbed a bunch of, went over to the printer, grabbed a bunch of blank pieces of paper, and I got a pen out, and I started writing down as much as I could think about, and start filling in the, you know, why is he getting chased and. And then I worked on it over the next few weeks. You know, came up with his name and and started piecing it together. So that was the genesis of it. And then I got busy in the music business. I put it in my computer. You know, I, I, my best advice to authors is because, like I said, this was my first getting started. But I always tell people when they say, "Hey, Doug, how do I do this?" Or what and if I have a story? And I always say, "You know what? Get it." Have you? I say, "Do you have it in a Word document?" Uh, no, no, I still have it in my brain. I always say, "Get it out of your brain and write it down." Put open up a Word document. And start putting it in there, and then start working on it. Uh, And uh, so that's what I did. And I put it in a Word doc, and then I just worked on it every few weeks here and there. Maybe five months would go by, and I'd get back to it. So finally, in two thousand five, I wrote a a, an outline. Uh, I had already written an outline, but I brought a husband and wife team that were professional writers, and we wrote the outline together, made it even better. And then from then, I wrote a script. I was a co writer on it with this guy George Saunders, who had written about twenty different scripts. And then we had a really good Hollywood script, and and that's. That's uh, what I was going to try to make it into a movie. I tried that, it didn't work. And then about two and a half years ago, I thought, well, I might never get that into a movie, but I could take that story because I always liked the story and I just wanted to get it out so people could enjoy it. And so I started doing research on, you know, writing a book and learning the whole book business. And and I ended up, you know, doing that. And it came out, you know, I, Ryan Hart and I worked on it uh, all through 2021. And uh, we, we finished it in june and it came out in october of 2021 and then you know right before that a couple of months i started working with elias at eaudio productions and we started working on the uh, the audiobook which i know we're going to talk about but that's kind of the genesis of how it happened it started in 1985 driving mr Tebbit, and i got this idea and and it it you know 28 years later but it finally came out as a book
3: <laughs> that's wonderful well what about the title did you make that decision
0: uh, when George and I wrote the, uh, the script, we called it Wonderful Time because, uh, you know, the, the way I described the book is uh, Back to the Future meets uh, Midnight in Paris on the set of It's a Wonderful Life. And when I said the 1940s, I ended up, you know, figuring it out. And I picked uh, 1946 was the year that I wanted him to time travel to. And I picked that year for two reasons. One, It's a Wonderful Life was my favorite film with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and, you know, directed by Frank Kappa. So that was the year that they made that in the summer of uh, 46 from I think April to July. but also uh, 46 was uh, you know the year before World War II had just finished. A lot of the guys were coming back from the service, you know the Navy, the Air Corps, the Army, and I just thought that would be an interesting time in Hollywood and in the industry, these guys coming back you know from their service. And so that's how I picked the year. when we were talking about it, we were just thinking, well, it's about it, it deals with its wonderful life. And it's a time travel thing, so we called it Wonderful Time. And that was the script. And then when I started working on the book, I was uh, talking with the book coach that I hired. Her name is Martha Bulin. and she was my book coach slash marketing, marketing consultant. She really helped me, uh, kind of held my hand through the whole process. And when we were talking, we were talking all of a sudden, we just said, how about It's a Wonderful Time?,
3: Because, you know, the movie's called
0: It's a Wonderful Life. So we play it right off the title, but it's not that It's a Wonderful Life, It's a Wonderful Time. And boom, we said, oh, that's it. And so that's how it it progressed from Wonderful Time to It's a Wonderful Time. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's great.
2: The Hollywood time travel series, It's a Wonderful Time, is now available on audiobook, which is produced by eaudioproductions.com. The audiobook is available on Amazon, Audible, Kobo, Spotify, Google Play, And soon it'll be available on most major and small audiobook platforms. So, Doug, let's talk about the audiobook version of the Hollywood Time Travel series, It's a Wonderful Time.
0: Sure. Uh, Well, yeah, we can't talk about that unless we talk about uh, Elias and the audio productions. So I'll tell you the story how I met Elias, which is, again, uh, you know, I know we want to help other authors and people. So my advice to people is, uh, you know, the process—I've always done this for years, but during— learning how to write and, and publish a book, is you really got to start with just your inner circle, you know, of people. Uh, ask your mom and dad, or if you're younger, or your friends, you know, hey, who do you know that's produced a book? And if you get a name or a number, say, hey, can I call them and pick their brain and start educating yourself how the process worked with people that have already done it. So when I was going to do the audio book, I knew it was going to happen. I called my buddy, Jeff Levin, who is a <laughs> film composer- who I've worked with over the years, for many years, and we're good friends. And he has a studio, and I called him up, and I said, Hey, Jeff, I got this book I just finished working on. It's getting you know, getting it ready to, to uh, put out in October, but I want to do an audiobook also. And uh, I was wondering if I could maybe record that in your studio and hire your studio. And I said, Have you done that before? And he said, Well, definitely know about audiobooks. He said, I've never done one yet. He said, But I could probably do it. He said, But you know, your timing is really good. He said, I just got off the phone a couple of days ago with my friend, a jazz musician a guy named John Navarro. He said he just put out a book, a self-help book, and he did an audiobook. and he was raving about the guy that did the audio book for him produced it. I said, oh, wow. I said, well, I said, I got to get that guy's numbers. Uh, the guy that did the audiobook. So I said, can you ask John if I can call him and pick his brain a little? And he goes, yeah. So he called me back. So yeah, John said, yes, you can call him. So I called John. We started talking about that. And he said, yeah, the yes, guy that did my cool. audio book. Yeah. I was really, really happy. It was uh, E-Audio Productions. His name is Elias. I think Elias' last name is o- Othetis, I think, if I'm pronouncing that right. But Elias at E-Audio Productions. And uh, I called up Elias uh, oh but before i finish that is so, and then we were talking more and he he was just kind of telling me the process and then he'd mentioned yeah and then also my book coach was really helpful and i said book coach who's who's your book coach and i'm just taking down notes and he gave me martha's email address and i you know i end up sending her an email and she got back to me and she loved the concept of what my Uh, book was about. So we worked together and I hired (laughs) her. And, you know, I didn't really self-publish my book. I did it like a little, a few steps above it. I hired Martha and she gave me access to her whole team. And we had a whole launch team, you know, the copy editor and the uh, proofreader and the people that, the lady that put everything up on Amazon and the lady who helped me write the press release. I mean, I had a nice little team of people and it just, it was awesome. Yeah. So, so again, uh, she was uh, just a godsend to have her like I said, kind of hold my hand through wow. the process. But in that conversation, yeah, I ended up calling Elias and it was a no-brainer. I hired him right on the spot and then we started that process. And during the time of uh, getting the book out and getting endorsements and stuff, I ended up getting a great endorsement from John Schneider you know, the guy, uh, actor from, uh, yeah, from Dukes of Hazard, And I think he was in Smallville and he's done a bunch of stuff, but I'd known John about maybe at this point, I, I think I met him back in 2007 through George Barris, who was a friend of mine, the guy that created the Batmobile, you know, the 1966 Batmobile car and George had done a lot of film and TV cars. And so I met John back then and we'd kept in touch. And so when I was, uh, I have a, a TV car show, a cable show on film, a TV car. So was going to be interviewing John about the General Lee car. So while I had him on the phone, I said, hey, John, I don't know. I said, this is on a separate subject. I said, but you know, I got this book I'm putting out. I said, would you mind uh, checking it out and maybe give me an endorsement? He said, yeah, send it. So I sent it to John. And I think a couple of days later, he was taking a, a road trip and he sent me a text saying, I'm reading your book, basically like loving it. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. And the next thing is he said, yes. And then he sent me the endorsement right in the text. And it was so good. And then not long after, he said, if you don't have anybody doing the audiobook, I'd love to be the narrator. And so that was like, whoa. Yeah. And, and, and so, so John was originally going to do it, and he gave me some samples, and he just nailed it. But what happened is he got busy. I was trying to get it started in December, and things just didn't work out for schedule. So it ended up uh, not working out with John. But he was just a big fan of the book. Uh, so I ended up going with a guy named Joshua Manning, who I met through uh, eAudio, and he did an excellent job. And it was a little easier, too, because Joshua is not a big celebrity like John, but he's definitely a celebrity in the uh, you know narrator world. And his schedule is easier because John is a busy guy. So it worked out. And then I end up um, getting a couple other people, uh, a lady named Susie Jackson, to do all the female voices, and then another guy who I found on my own, but then another guy named uh, Fintress Moore, who I got through uh, Elias' roster. So I got Joshua and Fintress through Elias. And then I found Susie on my own. But the process was just awesome working with Elias. He, again, had, I had to educate myself. So he was really great to work with. And he just tell me what I needed to do, what we needed to do. So... We just finished it, you know, like a couple of weeks ago. It took us a little longer, which is not Elias's fault, but there was just certain things that came up. I don't know. I was just busy. He was busy, but we were always making progress. And then uh, Joshua had gotten COVID like a couple months ago. You know, Chris- and when you do Christmas when they turn their stuff and, you know, there's pickups, They there's pronunciations wrong. And then there's a lot of back and forth. And Elias and I, and Elias loved my book. He said, Doug, this is one of the best audiobooks I've ever done. So he put a lot of kid gloves and TLC on it so and I just kept, he was hey I need to do this I want to do this a little different And I just said Elias I'm just going to trust you this is your wheelhouse if it takes us an extra two or three or four months to get it done I'm okay with that because I want to get it done and I don't want to go back to do anything else so we took the extra time and but we finally got it done and the good thing is is uh, I released the book last year the actual ebook and the uh, the print on demand book through Amazon and I just wanted to get it done a couple months before Christmas because you know it's Wonderful Life, the movie. In the movie, it takes place during Christmas, so everybody watches it then. So I wanted to take advantage of that, and also. It was the seventy fifth anniversary of the release of "It's Wonderful Life" in December of uh, forty six. It came out in uh, theater in New York, but it came the general release was actually forty seven. So it's still the seventy fifth anniversary this year. So I just wanted to get the audiobook done so I could do the same thing and release it again and do some press maybe a couple months before Christmas. And so now I have another uh-huh. a new product uh-huh. of the same product, but it's a different version. So that's kind of been the process of the audiobook. And um, I'll just give you one funny story when I went. So I didn't really find any of the um, getting the, 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 there's a girl named Dorothy in the book. She's 23 years old. Very important part. She's the love interest for Evan, the main character. And I really wanted her voice to be the right voice, you know? And i looked around at different rosters and I just couldn't find the right voice. So I just went to YouTube, which is an amazing, you know, amazing tool to learn a lot of free stuff. Oh, but I went to YouTube perfect. and I just, no, I went to Google, I think I said, top female book narrators. And I got some different things and I'm looking. And I just saw this one that says, my favorite top book Narrators." So I clicked on that. And it, this was actually a girl. She looked like she was about you know, 30 years old. And she was actually a narrator herself. And she was giving a top list of her favorite narrators. So out of the five, there was four men, males, and one female. And I think the female was her number third. And so I'm listening to it. And she says, "Okay." And uh, my number three is Susie Jackson. Oh my gosh, Susie Jackson! She is so good. She just knows how to make the right inflections and and her acting and this and that. So I'm like, I'm already sold. <laughs> I haven't even heard her voice yet. So I write her name down, and uh, her enthusiasm was infectious. So, but that, I, but I, what I decided to do, I thought before I listened to her as a doing an audio book. Doing characters, I just want to see what Susie sounds like as being Susie. So I found her talking about a book that she had just finished, or maybe a year ago. And she basically said, Hi, it's Susie Jackson. I just want to let you know I just finished so-and-so book, and it's just a great little book. And when I put my two kids to sleep at night, I would read from it and they would just love it. And so as I'm hearing her voice, I'm going, That's Dorothy. That's the voice of that's 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 the girl. So and then I went and listened to some of her stuff she did as, as her acting narration, and, and she just she was great. So I I reached out to her, and she got back to me, and and we worked out a deal, and I hired her, and she just was so amazing. She did Dorothy, but she did all the female voices, uh, which is, you know, there was uh, Dorothy, there was Donna Reed, there was uh, some cameos by, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Lauren Bacall, yeah, and uh, there was an Italian woman on Hollywood Boulevard, and she just did all these great voices, and then uh, Joshua, you know, Manning, he did the narration and then all the other male voices and then there's one other important character who's basically a fellow time traveler that Evan meets in 1946. His name is Dr. William Cooper. He's actually from 8 he was born in 1870. He's a black guy, and he was Nikola Tesla's assistant, and he went through time to 1944. So he'd been there two years before Evan arrives. And so I wanted to get uh, a person that uh, was really you know, African-American, but had a certain intellectual cadence to his voice, because this guy was a, almost like a genius. And I found him through a guy. Uh, I told Elias what I wanted, and Elias said, you know, I think I got the guy. And it ended up being fintress Moore, which was one of his guys. And I had uh, all my characters uh, taken care of. So, so yeah, Elias was great from the development to the pre-production, the production, the post. We took that ride together for months. Now these things can get done a lot quicker, but in my case, like I said, I, I just wanted to get it done maybe by October, or November, so I could make it available, you know, for Christmas. So, but yeah, I have nothing bad to say about uh, eAudio Productions and Elias. It was just a joy, and I will you know sing his praises to anybody that needs an audiobook. I will just send them to um, Elias with not even hesitate.
3: What a wonderful endorsement. I'm very excited because the way you're um, describing this, it sounds like... you know, a m- movie, like you, you know, you're picking the actors for the movie or whatever. It sounds very exciting. Yeah. So
0: You know, I'll tell you guys a funny story. You can't plan this stuff. So remember I told you, I made it into a movie script, right? right. And I got this, I, mm-hmm. I got a friend of mine, Doug Claiborne, who his first movie was uh, Apocalypse Now with uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Not he didn't produce it, but he was the. He was actually a Marine in the Marines, I think during NOM. And he ended up uh, his job was to be the helicopter wrangler of all those Huey helicopters. But Doug went on to continue working with Coppola on Black Stallion right. <laughs> and some of the other movies he did. Yeah. Peggy Sue got married, all that stuff. But then Doug went on, he did Mask of Zorro with Spielberg. And so he had, I met him when I was doing, you know, music stuff and we were good friends. He was originally from Houston, I think raised in Tulsa. So when I got the, when I got the script done, I sent it to Doug and I say, hey, what do you let me know if you think this is any good I need a, a mentor you know a co-producer to help me kind of navigate through the the sharks in Hollywood and see if we can get this made uh, and and Doug came on, he loved the script and came on, we got it to a few places, but we never end up getting it made because uh mainly it was a period film, everybody liked it, but it wasn't right for what they were looking for at the time, which was fine, so so I ended up making it into a book because I knew it would cost a lot less you know than sure. 20. 30 million dollars whatever but my point to that is so John Voight who is a, an a you know very famous actor uh, I met John back in 2000 uh, maybe 8 or 9 friend that I produced movies with who's a business partner him and John are like best buddies so got to meet John and then in 2016 I took him to Montana because he needed to do uh, research on a modern day cattle rancher for a, a role he was playing so I took him to my hometown cuz I knew some like real <laughs> cattle ranchers and we spent That's 5 neat. days yeah, the director and him uh, flew there. I met them there and we spent five days together. But the funny thing was we really connected on that trip. But I met with John back in maybe, I don't know, last year of uh, right when my book came out and I was uh, talking to him about it. And he was really proud of me that I you know got the book out and stuff. And then I gave him the, the coverage that I got from Doug Claiborne. And so he was looking at it and he was going, Doug, this is really good coverage. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I had to read it twice when I first got it because I, I didn't think it was for my movie. It was too good to be true. <laughs> and so he's reading it and he's going, Doug, this is a really great story. And uh, so he really was intrigued by the story and the wonderful life thing. You know, he's very uh, conservative politically and very all about family and stuff like that, you know, so it really connected with him. So three days later, he calls me and he said, Doug, he said, can you send me that script, the original script that that came from, that the coverage came from? I said, you mean the book or the script? He goes, no, the script. So I sent him the script, <laughs> which I'd given up on, right? It's like I moved on. It's like I just made it into a novel. He calls me um, a few days later. Oh, actually, no, actually, it's so when I was in October. Yeah, I was over in Louisiana interviewing John Schneider for my car show. And I get a I get a call and I'm at the World War II Museum on the way back to the airport. We're there, kind of just looking around. And it's John, he says, Doug, I just finished your script. I said, Oh, cool. What'd you think? He said, Doug, this is such a good script. Uh-huh. And he's going, it's got all the right things and this and then. He's going, I could play Strickler. I could play uh-huh. the the bad guy. It's so funny yeah. that he's pitching you. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you were talking about casting. That's what I'm saying. And he's like, "I could play Strickler." <laughs> he, he was a big mo- the bad movie mogul. And I'm I'm just thinking, this is this is surreal. I'm having this conversation.
3: Yeah, that's wonderful.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm laughing. I'm thinking, what are the chances? I'm not even pushing the thing. One of the biggest Hollywood you know, uh, movie stars with Oscars. Reason, my think, because so j- you just never know what's going to happen. You know, and that, we haven't. That, that was a you know conversation about a year ago. But I don't know if it, anything's going to happen with it. But just the fact that he loved it, and when you kind of give up on stuff to maybe move on to other things, still things could happen. And you know, you just never know what's going to happen. So that's kind of a funny story. Well, Doug, what's next for you? Are you going to continue writing novels? Yeah, you know the and to get back to one of your questions, which will kind of fill in the piece of the puzzle because, I, like I said, I'm still learning the whole book, uh, you know, the author process and putting out books. And it's really, you know, my my background is music publishing. I understand publishing in film and TV and that, but book publishing is, is a whole other animal. So I'm just learning a lot. I have read a lot, watched a lot of videos, but. When I was putting this out, my buddy Jack Erickson, who's originally from North Dakota, but he lives up in Northern California, and he's a successful author. He has a series called the Milan, uh, Milan Thriller series. So he's been doing this for a few years. So I was picking his brain when I first started, getting a lot of information from him. And he had known about my script uh, and that I was making it into a novel, and he knew the story um, he might even have read the script. I can't remember, but he just, so well, as we're talking, he said, you know what, Doug? He said, I have some advice for you. He said, you know, one-off stories do okay. He said, but if you have a series, people love, the fans love a series. They want, they want more of the same thing. If you, you got something good, he said, so I think you should think about maybe making a series of, of, of your book. And I said, oh, wow. I said, I never even thought of that. And so, so with that, which I wasn't planning on doing, But I thought about that, and that's how I came up with um, the Hollywood Time Travel series. And this uh, It's Wonderful Time being book one and basically kind of fleshed it out, me and Reinhardt, and then we thought, well... We can, uh, it's called the Hollywood time travel series. So we basically have uh, coop and Evan, uh, you know, they're kind of, it's their mission to, uh, they go, they never know where they're going. At least we maybe figure out why, but they, uh, they, they are helping movies get made the right way, whatever decade it is, or maybe helping a movie star along the way. We don't, we, we don't know. There's just a lot to pick from, but that's how it became the Hollywood time travel series by the advice of my friend Jack, which was really brilliant advice. Right. That's great. It's, it's yeah. exciting. That's very exciting yeah it's exciting so to, oh, to answer your question so uh, so we're gonna keep writing the books that's the plan and you know things have changed a lot in the TV world whereas you know it used to be with NBC and ABC you'd have to you know you get you sell a show and you do 22 episodes a season but those days uh, they, they still have those but things have changed with the streaming you know networks and studios. Uh, you know Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, so they're taking books or they're doing seasons now. That could be as low as five or six or seven episodes for a whole season. So that's my plan. If if we uh, get a couple books underneath our two or three books, uh, there will be a concept, and maybe each book could be a season. And the show would be called the Hollywood Time Travel Series, mm-hmm. and so it sounds that wonderful. might not happen. Yeah, might but, not happen. Well, I hope but it, it does. But it could. You never know. You never know. Yeah. If it, the worst case scenario is, we can just keep writing the books, and people can love them. And um, as you can tell, sometimes it takes years for something to happen. So it might take five years, and maybe it'll become a TV series. I don't know. But yeah, we're going to focus on the books. That's mainly what I'm doing in the book world, and uh, you know, I'm juggling different things. Uh, the TV show that's kind of cool, but that's kind of what I've been up to.
3: Well, that's and then, wonderful. Best wishes.
0: And then each book can Thanks. be an audio book, too. Well, well, exactly. No, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think I'd probably keep uh, some of the same people. I loved working with Joshua. I mean, definitely, I definitely, would definitely work with uh, Elias. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> uh, depending on, you know, I guess, who the, who the characters are, we'll figure that all out. But, boy, the team that we put together of these three authors, uh, Joshua Manning, Susie Jackson, and Fintress Moore, just stellar, stellar performances.
3: So everything's worked out so well for you. It seems like you have a lot of encouragement. Would our audience be able to reach out to you and maybe you can encourage some of them?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to me. If they want to find out about you know, the book series, there is a website. The website is hollywoodtimetravel.com. On that website, just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see my email address, uh, which is Doug at dougatironmikeent.com and if anybody wants to shoot me an email yeah if they have a question or something i'm i'm happy to you know help i've always been about you know kind of paying things forward so all the knowledge that i've gained over the last 34 years in working in hollywood and entertainment i love to pass that on to people that are you know younger than me or the same age whatever wherever everybody's at but yeah i have a lot of knowledge that i can hopefully yeah help out other people out so i love helping people that's wonderful
2: Well, Doug, thanks for being our guest today. Um, It's been great talking to you about your book, The Hollywood Time Travels. It's a wonderful time. It's been great talking about the audiobook version, you know, thanks to E-Audio Productions and thanks to E-Audio Productions for doing this podcast. So again, thank you very much for being our guest today.
0: Great. Thanks for having me on and great job, you guys. And we'll hopefully talk down the road.
1: Thank you for listening to the audiobook release podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you'll never miss an episode. We value your opinion, so feel free to post a rating or review. For feedback, inquiries, and more about our audiobook production and publishing services, visit www.audiobookrelease.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the audiobook release podcast. Brought to you by eAudioproductions.com.